Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that, well, has learnt a bit more of the Greek alphabet this week. I'm Scott Phillips and with me, of course, is the straw man, Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? I'm very good. Very good. I should have paid a lot more attention in, in school. I'm, I'm now all of a sudden learning. I, I know my Roman numerals. I count to 10 in Italian. I didn't expect I would need to learn the Greek alphabet. Are you, are you a Greek scholar from way back? I, I am not. Um, not. Although, you know, terms like alpha and beta are familiar. Yeah. There are sort of other, <laughs> other meanings within the finance industry. Oh. But uh, Omicron's a new one. It is. I can't tell you how. I, I actually I actually tweeted about this during the week and, yeah, I was the, the guys from Pearl hit me and said, I think you've been chasing alpha for years. Like, I don't even, I can't even remember what they, they mean and I can't remember <laughs> what they're for. Mate, uh, you, uh, you are, amongst other things, the founder and managing director of strawman.com, which, did you know the Greek, is there a Greek translation for straw? Is there, is there like a plan to go international? Is there a, is there a Greek domain being... Been secured? Is there a strawman.com in Greek somewhere? There, there isn't, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, no. But maybe, maybe we need to rethink that. I will I say this about be. the Greek alphabet: it does sound very cool. Omicron is reminds me of an Autobot or something like yeah. that. It's, uh, <laughs> something what did the, from what did the Gold Coast Mayor say? It sounds like a camera brand. A which camera. Is good. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I'll grab my Omicron and take some photos. And there's a bit of debate on how it's pronounced too. Oh, go on. Am I, am I screwing this up? Omicron or Omicron. Or, I've heard a few different ways of sort of it being said, but huh. either way, either way, it's potentially pretty scary. Or is it? What do you think? Well, this is the um, this is the challenge, mate. I we don't know, and the the the, the temptation for all of us is to assume we could have a, a rough guess and try and work out what it might actually be or mean, and. It is purely guessing right now. Now, I say that we're recording this on the 2nd of December. You may know a whole lot more, dear listener, by the time you listen to this on the afternoon of the 3rd or subsequently, if you listen to this in a couple of weeks' time. Look, me go, you guys had no idea. This thing was, and then whatever comes next is is obviously what you'll be saying right now or thinking right now as you listen to us carry on. Um, I am cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. But we will we will see, mate. I'm not, I'm I, not entirely I am, sure. I, I guess one thing that was a bit surprising was how... Um, definitive some of the initial reactions were. It's yeah. sort of like people lined up very quickly behind their preferred existing bias as either, oh, it's nothing or, oh, it's the next, you know, um, mega bug. Or, you know, I, I, we, we like to sort of jump behind mm-hmm. certainties mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I'm really glad you started off by sort of saying we just don't know yeah. at this stage. That would probably advocate for, you know, maybe a bit of caution given we mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, I guess I guess we'll see. As I sort of said to you off air, in, in a way, it'd probably be really good if it's highly transmissible but super mild. Yes, yes, because <laughs> it just it'll outcompete. Um, so that was other. I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, the whole idea that it would outcompete is, is actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's better if it's not there at all. Yeah. But given yes, that, that sort of it's, it's you know, um, yeah. COVID is out there and yeah. will be with us forever. It's it's probably a a better. Uh, scenario than than some alternatives. Yeah, with that good news, it turns out, mate, strawman in Greek, and I'll, I'm going to blow this completely. I've, I've used Google Translate, so I'm assuming it's right. And frankly, I wish I hadn't because the uh, translation is very hard to pronounce. I was going to assume it's acryanthropos. Acryanthropos. Oh, I like that. A c h r y a n t h r o p o s. You're you're mm. you're like you like your fancy languages. Man, I reckon I reckon I'd be I'd be registering acryanthropos. Dot com right now. I'll, get, I'll get on it. I'll get on, on it. Do that. Do that, mate. Um, so the other thing about Omicron is, of course, it, we know the the, the you know, it is what it is. Um, you mentioned a bit of caution, and the ASX 
over the past week has been, I want to say week again, we're recording Thursday morning, so the first three days of the week and a bit of last Friday have been, I'll say interesting in air quotes, because of the volatility we saw. Uh, and I guess, I don't know, mate, I it, fr- it frustrates the heck out of me, can I say, at one level. Like, I am... I could possibly be accused of a little Warren Buffett-esque benign neglect when it comes to worrying about stuff that might impact my portfolio. But we've been around this thing so long, and this is not going to be new for anyone who's listening. Yeah, okay, we know what you're going to say next, Scott. And you do. Um, it just... It, I, I tweeted out on, on whatever day it was, Monday morning I think it was, like the futures were supposed to be down 1.5%. And I'm kind of like how quickly we forget. You know, we talk about learning lessons of history. How quickly we forget last March and April we had a massive, massive, almighty, fastest bear market in history, followed by the fastest recovery in history, and 12, 18 months later, we were back above where we started. Mm. And what happens when Omicron's released? We throw the toys out of the cot again. This is not 10 years later, five years later, three years later. This is literally, what, 17 months, 18 months <laughs> after, the, after you know, the first kind of round of the, of the kitchen with COVID, and we still just don't get it. I just, and I, you know, is it possible that businesses are worth a little bit less, maybe kinder? But even the basic maths, like we've, we've said before, mate, Jeremy Siegel, the Wharton professor who was on uh, TV in America when COVID outbreak was happening, was saying even if every single dollar of profit in the US, on the US companies, went to zero for a full 12 months, every company, full 12 months, exactly zero, the market should fall 10%. And that's it. <laughs> and you kind of go, God, I don't know, mate, am I, am I, too, am I too recklessly benignly neglectful. Jeez, I had to spit that out. That was hard. I had to think about that one. Um, or, or like, I just, and then, of course, subsequent to that, we had the market actually opened down 1.1%, actually closed down only half a percent, then mm. went up the day after, and then down the day after that. I just, I, just, I don't know, mate. I, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me how people react. And I, I, I guess I'm probably just either blase or, as I said, just straight out neglectful. But I just don't get it. I really, really don't. I, mean, no, I get the human reaction. I just don't get that people rationalise it and ex- people who are paid very large amounts of money to actually not get fooled by this stuff just routinely fall for the same stuff. That's that's true. It, it'll always be thus, though. I right. mean, we can sort of shake our fists at the sky, but that's that's <laughs> always going to be the reaction to yeah. this. The, the other thing I often remind myself of is that price is set on the margin. Yeah, that's true. So in in by that I mean that you know yep. let's let's take a, a, an individual company. There might be you know 100 million shares on issue, and maybe half a percent of those shares get traded on a particular day. It's yep. it's the price that those shares get traded at, which mm-hmm. which sets the last traded price. That's the price we quote. Right, That's right, the right. price we base the company's valuation on. Yep. When when by definition, you know, 99 percent of shareholders did nothing. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I am reminded uh, of that as well. I'd all, I'd also think you know the the headlines are interesting. You know, with oh the market's falling and blah blah. blah. It's like wait a second. So I, I brought crash. up. I brought up the S&P 500 chart. Mm, mm. It's up 25% for the year after, I know, I after know. the fallback. And we're talking about something <laughs> exactly. that I think it's like down 3% from an all-time time record high. Now, yeah, yeah. that doesn't mean that it can't drop 50% tomorrow or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it's it, – I just – you know, it's like that. Even without that news, that could have easily happened on no news just, just because mm. – which is weird. The other thing that's interesting, you see a lot of people going, oh, I'm buying, I'm buying. Mm. Now, it's kind of the right reaction yeah. in, in a way, but at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, hang on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the same people in many cases who a month ago were saying shares are too expensive, I'm not going to buy, mm. then goes up another 10%, then falls 3%, goes, oh, it's a pullback, now I'm buying? It's sort of like, oh, I did None of us are that great where we can value a company that accurately, where it's sort of like a, a price, you know, 
X, it's it's too expensive and take 3% off it and all of a sudden it's stonkingly good value. It mm-hmm. <laughs> just seems a little bit, I don't know, financial financial journalists have to have to come up with headlines i guess but um, yeah I, i'm i'm yeah. with you i'm i'm not i'm not too overly worried uh, having having said that there's sort of you've got to wear two hats here it, yep. it, am i potentially worried from a sort of a society health kind of angle i think mm-hmm. yeah i think we we do need to be a yeah, bit careful totally. with this stuff yeah i mean we always seem to be surprised when a new variant comes i was like well that that's just Mm. We knew that. That was always going to be the case. That's what these things do. They yeah. evolve. They evolve much yeah. faster than we do because they replicate so much faster than we do as well. So there's there's very likely to be further variants down the track, which is another <laughs> another reason oh, thank you. I, yeah. I, w- I would say that, you know, we we probably should be investing mm. very mm. heavily into mitigation things, whether it's mm. sort of um, vaccine production facilities or quarantine, purpose-built quarantine facility. It's one of those things I said said to you off air that it's just like we should build all that stuff hoping that that money is wasted. Oh, totally. Um, you know, and if it's if it is if it is wasted, let's, you know, let's face it, it's a rounding error in terms mm-hmm. of the federal budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not, I mean, think about how many billions were wiped off the economy because of lockdown. Yeah. You kind of think, well, you know, if, if this can save even half of that sort of loss there, it's, it pays itself back 10 mm-hmm. times over. Mm-hmm. So it's another asymmetric outcome where it's kind of like heads, I don't lose too much, tails, I win massively, which, you know, which is a little bit frustrating <laughs> that, we, that, we're not, that we're not better equipped, especially after we've had so long to sort of see how, how horrible this stuff can be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a, that's a separate rant. But, yeah, no, uh, from a market's right? perspective, I'm not too, I'm not too concerned. Well, it's kind of, I mean, your point about your point about quarantine facilities and things are, we, we are humans are not, we're just not very bright, and you know we sold off quarantine facilities over the last century, and they went, why don't we have any quarantine facilities? Well, because we sold them off because we thought it wasn't going to happen again because it had been so long since the last time. Mm. That that is, I mean, it, it, you say back to investing, that is exactly what the market itself does. Oh, yeah. it's been so long since the GFC. It won't be another one. Oh, God, COVID. Okay, sell the market off 38%. Oh, thank God that's over. Now we can go back to normal. Oh, God, Omicron, quick, sell everything. Yeah. And it's like that whole idea of like, you know, the last time, the last time, the last time is is what you should remember and expect and know that these things happen. And, and the market bounces back, right? The, to your point about being relaxed about it, you do get an opportunity to buy. A couple of quick thoughts on your, your comments before we move on. First thing, the whole quarantine facility, massively, massive tangent. It is the very definition of insurance. Right? Yeah. Insurance it's, a put, it's a put option if we want to keep it in the oh, realm of finance, right? That's not because I don't like options. Insurance <laughs> is, is hope, hopelessly expensive, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of money I spend to insure my home, which happens to be 50, well, 49 and a half metres from some bushland, so it costs me an absolute squillion dollars, and I hate it every single year, will look incredibly cheap the day my house burns down. Yeah. Right? It just will. Yeah. And, and if it never burns down, well, it'll look expensive and I'll go, oh, so I never should have taken the insurance out. It's just, it is first order thinking, which is just dumb. And, and quarantine or stockpiles of medical supplies or whatever else it is, even if you throw them away every five years and you waste money for 20 straight cycles of that five-year period, 2020 hits, oh, good. We've got 15 quarantine stations. We've got five years worth of PPE. How clever were we to think about that? Because we don't do that. We go, oh, my God, we should really... You know, they're building quarantine stations now, which is lovely. And, you know, God forbid we actually have to use them, but it just, it drives you nuts. Um, second thing, on the on the market volatility and the price falls, not only is it silly to wait for a 5% dip while the market goes up 10%, that's just dumb. Um, people do it because, again, we want to buy cheaply, right? So we'd rather actually, we never say this, but if shares are a dollar today, you'd rather buy them at a dollar five after a 10% fall or a 5% fall than, than, than actually buy them at a dollar five then. Yeah. But we're just not that smart. So we say, well, I'll wait till, I'll wait till it drops 5%. And at that, at that point, the shares are $1.05. You actually paid more than if you just bought them and held on anyway, which is just, it also is 
understandable at a first order level, a little bit crazy when you really understand the the pace and the and the the arc of share market history to a murder line from from um, Martin Luther King. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it it's all a little bit crazy. Although I would say I would I wouldn't change it for the world. I, I, <laughs> I keep coming back to this idea that thank goodness the yeah. markets are like that. <laughs> Because if yes. they were hyper rational, it'd be very, very hard to, to outperform the market. So it's those- hard, though, right? Because that's that that is the th- you got to keep that in your head at the same time. That's for mm. listeners who are new to the market or haven't been through too many cycles. That's exactly the problem. We want volatility so we can buy stuff cheaply. Except when the other stuff's available cheap, our shares are also going to be cheap at the very same time. So you have to quarantine the part of your brain that says oh, my God, I've just lost 15% of my portfolio. That hurts like hell from the part that says, hey, the market's down 15%. I'm going to go shopping. This is amazing. Mm. Those two things have to be true at the same time to actually be a successful investor, and that's yeah. really hard. I'm always reminded of, uh, I think it was Morgan Housel, um, Probably, yeah, a colleague of ours, great writer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is Morgan. He said that a, a crash is always seen as a risk when yes. looking forward and as an opportunity <laughs> when looking backwards. So yeah. we always look at the next crash as, oh, my gosh, that's going to be terrifying. But we yeah. always, yeah. Went, well, after the fact, we always say, oh, what, a, what an incredible <laughs> opportunity that was. I should have bought exactly. You might, you might have had my dog bark in the background there. Um, yes, it's, uh, it, that, mate, that's, exact, that's exactly right. And it's just hard to do. The other thing, look, I, I tweet, so when I tweeted about it, I posted it on Facebook. Um, follow me on Twitter and Facebook, by the way. I'll give you those in a second. Uh, and Andrew. Um, I, I did have some people who I, I love the fact, hey, I've got my shopping list ready. I'm going to go shopping. And I love that. Like, I really, really love that. People saying, hey, a market crash is an opportunity mm-hmm. or, you know, lower price. I love the fact people are doing that. I did say at, at one point, I uh, might have mentioned this. We've actually, we're recording some of our podcasts out of sequence. So if I mentioned this in two days' time, know that I mentioned it actually a week ago when we recorded it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it's the equivalent of, you know, going to the shops and, and splurging on a pair of jeans for $98.90 because they were $100 yesterday. Oh, they're on sale. It's like, well, sure. I mean, take the take the saving, but you know, if you didn't like a hundred bucks, ninety eight dollars ninety shouldn't really be changing the game. That's the one point one percent fall the market opened out on Monday, of course. Um, yeah. If you love it at hundred bucks, then great, buy some more because hey, you know, cheaper is better than more expensive or the same price. Just just don't don't lose your collective stuff um, at, at a small fall and go and do anything you wouldn't otherwise do at the higher price. Take take the benefit, take the discount for sure. You know, it's like walk, if you're going to walk in a shop and buy the jeans, and then they say. Oh, actually, that's, they're actually chipped and they look like the, the label on the shelf. You go, oh, that's cool. I'm glad mm. I bought them then. Yeah. But don't change jeans and don't buy more jeans than you need and all, all that stuff. I'll, I won't torture the metaphor any further, but um, just just be careful that, you know, it, it, take the take the saving. Uh, but a 1% fall is, you know, an average daily move. Don't, don't, don't do anything specifically either way because of that. No, yeah, yeah well said, well said. Mate, um... Speaking of doing things because of things, we're not going to spend too much time on this one because God knows we've done it enough over the last couple of weeks and there's only so much inflation you and I can talk about. But but we will just mention in passing, and we'll get some thoughts if you've got some. Uh, Jerome Powell, Jay Powell, the chair of the US Federal Reserve, the reappointed Fed chair, um, has pretty much belled the cat and said, oh, you know, that transitory inflation, yeah, not, not so transitory anymore. Um, we are going to have to respond. And... This is, I'm not going to be unkind here, mate, because a lot of people say, oh, of course it was, you know, everyone knew that. We didn't know that. It could have absolutely been transitory in, in other areas. So, you know, this is the other thing, mate, just because you have a view and you end up being right doesn't mean you were necessarily smart, it just means you might have been lucky. So, you know, there's, there's 100 people saying, oh, yeah, of course it was. The other 100 people saying, oh, I thought it was actually going to be transitory and, you know, it could have gone the other way. So let, let's, let's be honest, let's be real. I'm not going to bag Jay Powell for getting this one wrong. But it does mean that central banks now go from, we can look through this to, we need to do something about this. Yeah. Uh, QE tapering uh, is going to be happening faster than expected. 
hard to imagine that again the US inflation experience is different from the rest of the world there are there are always national and country specific differences and reasons for things but um, I think it's reasonably fair to say isn't it that if the US's inflation problem is not transitory then no one else's is either yeah we're a global economy and Australia is two percent of that so we're a very yeah. small fish and we, we, we're kind of subject to forces beyond our control and greater than us so yeah I think that's a very sensible statement I did find it one of the things that, that I thought was interesting about mm. um, Powell's change of stance was just mm. how much hate got piled onto him. That's Maybe that's just on Twitter. And uh. I kind of thought, well, you know, when the facts change, I change my mind, you know. So yes, it wasn't it wasn't that it was Is like, that J.P. Morgan? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to. Actually. <laughs> it, 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 whether or not he was right to be so definitive in this, it's just mm. transitory, it's just transitory yeah, yeah, or, or yeah. not is another thing. But it's just like you, mm. th- this is really, really, really hard stuff forecasting the economy. Yeah. And, and you know, you should you should be able to change your mind if, if the facts That's change right. or it goes, you know. And so I, I, I don't, I thought, I didn't know, I just, I remark on it because I thought it was odd. And we, we see this a lot from yes. um People in, in, in finance and economics, they, they really do get a lot of hate put on them when they sort of mm. say one thing and then change their mind. But it's just yeah, like yeah. that's just the nature of this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you yeah. need to change your – we talk about it a lot. You yeah. need to change your mind often. So, you know, it's just sort of like it, maybe it, there was all those supply chain bottlenecks and reasons that could argue very sensibly as to why it could be transitory. And now it's sort of pivoting that oh, maybe it is a bit more there. And so, and so fair enough, he, he's changed his mind. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't fault him too much for that. Whether or not he's right now <laughs> um, is is yet to be seen. But I think all else being equal, yeah. it sort of, it sort of feels as though it's the risks are to it, it being um, not transitory, or at least mm-hmm. it, it's not going to stay. at, What was it, six percent over the year? It's, it's not going to stay yeah. at that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you know, Jack. Dorsey. But it's going to be higher for longer than the Fed is comfortable with. That's, yeah. that's their new kind of version of higher for a short period of time and they're okay with that is one thing. Higher than we'd like and for longer than we'd like is, is something very different. Yeah, it may, it may not be hyperinflation as, as Jack Dorsey of Square and Twitter fame um, <laughs> uh, commented on not, not that long ago. I don't know, yes. maybe he's right, maybe yeah. he's not. But, but I, it, yeah, it, it feels as though, bottom line, interest mm. rates could be mm. going up faster and sooner than we previously had anticipated, at least, at least than what the market mm. had mm. previously mm. anticipated. Mate, um, and I think that's – I. so I'm going to say, I've said before, I will say one more time, I think the RBA is going to enhance and have missed a trick, not in terms of what they are trying to do or how they see the economy, but they've gone from we will do things because we see things down the track that we want to make sure we're prepared for to we are not going to do anything until we absolutely see the problem in the data. Mm. And I have a very, very high level of confidence that they will at some point in the future say that was a mistake – we're going back to trying to prepare the economy, not predict, but prepare the economy for what we think might be coming down the pike. Mm. Because we all know that, at, at, what is it, the um, a, a pinch of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Yep. And if you wait for the problem to be obvious and actually happen, house prices are going to go up, house prices are going to go up, house prices are going to go up, oh my God, they're now super high. Or the economy over, might overheat, it might overheat, Look, it looks like it might be overheating, maybe it's overheating, it's probably overheating, oh bugger, now we're in a problem. We've got to pull the handbrake on doubly hard and do a whole lot of stuff we otherwise could have done less of had we acted in advance. And I, they've been burnt by trying to predict stuff and getting it wrong. So I get why they're kind of like, this is a mugs game where you know, we've had enough of it. I, I get that thinking. I'm relatively sure 
that they will come out and actually say, yep, we got that wrong. We need to reverse course and go back to preparing the economy for the conditions we expect will happen because it takes time for these things to flow through. That's the point, right? Uh, If you raise rates now, it'll impact our house price in three or six months. Mm. If you drop rates now, business activity will pick up in three to six months. If you wait for that six-month period and then next June say, oh, the economy's in a hole, let's do something about it, then by the time it takes effect another three or six months and you're in all sorts of trouble or you have to pull those levers absolutely much, much harder, which means you knee-jerk the economy, the whiplash the economy around me is better, better analogy. You whiplash the economy around from, from boom to bust while you try desperately to kind of fix the problem that you kind of saw happening but chose not to act on. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really hard. I mean, it's, I always um, applaud data-driven kind of thinking. Yes, yeah, exactly, totally, I agree. You know, there's nothing wrong with it in, in a lot of ways. The, the trouble with, with it, though, is the data is, is so often backwards-looking. It's what happened <laughs> in the past, you know, exactly. and it's all, by the time it's released, it's kind of already old and we could yep. be in a very different environment. So it's, it's diabolically hard. <laughs> yes, it is. I do think, I do think it's just sort of a related thought that we put mm. so much emphasis on the central banks and what they're doing. And, mm. like, you know, it's really important. I'm not saying we, we ignore it, but we don't seem to put... You know, a tenth uh, as a, as much <laughs> yeah, of our attention on yeah. on policy sort of settings, which yeah. which which are massively important. It's like massively, massively important. Yeah. Um, I've, I've said that many, many times, but I completely agree with you. The obsession over interest rates as the key driver of the economy, to the exclusion of other stuff, yeah, is madness. It is if you, if you were if you had, I, I'm I'm not sure we want to remove the independence of the Reserve Bank. But if we did, for example, tomorrow, go back to where we used to be in the 80s and said to the treasurer, you're now also in charge of interest rates as well as everything else, mm. we wouldn't be talking about interest rates the whole time. I mean, the bond market would be. And that's why we do, right? Because it's, it's the old what gets measured gets done or the inverse of that, which is we see the levers. A whole lot of people are worried about bond rates and interest rates. So that becomes the topic of conversation. But if Josh Frydenberg's flying a jumbo and the interest rate button is one button in front of, you know, of a console of hundreds of buttons and levers mm. and dials and knobs and switches and joysticks and whatever else they use these days. Um, you know, it, it's, he's not going to just ignore the other ones and push that one, is he? No, no. It, and, 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 I mean, they're, they're even there's even a longer lag there with some of the effects. Mm-hmm. This, this is the tricky thing. So you can make some, you know, the whole Keating government made some really big structural changes. And yeah. I think, you know, we can say it from a bipartisan standpoint that oh, they, they actually put Australia on a really good footing. But, yep. yeah, it took... It takes it takes like a decade or more for these things to start to sort of work through and, and have an impact. So that's yeah. that's also what's very you sort of driving a car, you turn the wheel, but then you have to mm-hmm. wait like two hundred meters down the road before the before the the tires actually turn, yep. which makes it all very tricky. But it but it is mm. it's 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 if if not more important, at least mm. let's agree equally important as interest rates. But but we we just don't talk about it too much. So it's yeah it's a very myopic focus from the markets. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's, um, let's, let's finish off with a bit of uh, the, the best bad news in ages. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call it. I don't, I don't think I've seen it written that way. I'm sure someone else has already used the phrase. I'm sure it's not that hard to work out. It is, of course, the GDP numbers. Um, the and again we're going to mix our uh, orders up here. I think we might have talked about GDP falls. We mentioned maybe on air or off air. I can't remember. That's all, all blurs into one, mate. Um, that that a, a negative growth used to be called a contraction or a fall. Now we call it negative growth. Um, <laughs> GDP had negative growth of one point nine percent for the third quarter at, that ended at the end of September. That number was out this week, and that was the best bad news we've had in a long time. No one wants the economy to contract, but it wasn't a surprise. 
No one wants to see people lose their jobs, businesses lose customers' profits, and eventually some business failures, of course. So it's not good news in the slightest. It's bad news when the economy contracts. But it was much better than we thought. There was expectations of 3 or even 3.5% decline mm. for gross domestic product. The economy effectively shrank close enough to half of some of those worst-case scenario forecasts. And, you know, I think uh, short-term, short-term numbers are not very useful. But um, they do... They do set the scene for the economic circumstances in which a lot of our businesses operate, listed mm-hmm. and unlisted. And I just thought, A, I'm, I'm, look, you know, I can't, I'm not very good mate at thinking just as an investor, can I tell you? Um, I can't help but think about the people who are getting and losing jobs, the businesses who are making money and going broke. Um, I can't just think, oh, great for investors, you know, stuff the rest of you or vice versa. Um, you know, who cares? You guys are happy. The, the market's tanking. That's terrible. Um, I just can't bring myself to do it. So I will always have two, two lenses on this one. The first is great news for the economy, great news for workers, great news for businesses, great news for the recovery and people looking to get back into work. So that's fantastic. But it's also good news, I think, for the rest of us, the, the growth in the economy that's likely in Q4 simply comes from a better place. Mm. And because these things are momentum-driven to some degree, um, lower declines mean, generally speaking, faster recoveries or faster potential recoveries because we had a better place to start back from. Mm. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, as always, there's so much devil in the detail. It's such a big, broad, general, it's the most sort of general sort of number that's out there yep. when looking at the economy. Yep, so yep. there's sort of, there's pockets within that that did really bad and others that yes. did really great. And, you know, that's, and there's, you can kind of pick your narrative and then find the supporting yeah, parts right. to support that kind of stuff. But yeah, it could what's have been your, What's your worse. chosen narrative for the, from the GDP numbers, Andrew? Oh, I, I honestly, I don't pay that much attention to it. <laughs> you, you, I, I read about it, but I mean, anyone out out there listening who owns a business or, who, um, yeah. you know, has run a business in the past. I, I don't think any small business owner really focuses too much on the GDP numbers. And no, I would be no. surprised even if the very large business, most of the large businesses out there, banks probably might be the exception, but really focus uh, too much on it as well. You sort of, you know, you're, 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 you're the captain of your boat mm-hmm. and the boat's bobbing around in this big yep. unwieldy ocean and you can't really do much about what the weather's like or what the waves are like, but you can yeah. you can yeah. make sure that, you're, you know, the rigging's tight and the... Trim the sails and batten down the hatches. I was trying to think of all the terms. Ahoy yeah. me hardies and let's <laughs> prepare to walk the plank. Yeah, but that's what you do, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah, totally. that's it. It's, it's very hard. Business, anyone who's run a business knows it's, it's, it's super hard. And there's a million sort of near-term things in front of you that you've got some control over that are hard enough without worrying about broader, you know, national GDP kind of figures. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah I, 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 but look, overall, I, I agree. It was, it was the best bad news we've, we've mm-hmm. had in a long time. I'm glad to see it. I'll always prefer things to be going up. Yes. You know, yes. G, G, you know, one person's spending is another person's income, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and we we need to see we, we'd like it's better for all of us as a, as a society if this thing is going mm-hmm. up at a decent pace. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. Doesn't it, it, doesn't change anything that I'm doing, but yeah. It is one of those things I I constantly this is this is a slight tangent. Um but you think about, you know, it's better for all of us if things are going up. I mean, that that's that is true in such a profound way. I'm always amazed. I, I kind of get it, right? If you've got to put money, food on the table as a worker or as a boss, you care about next week's sales and you care about the tax rate you pay this month and you care about um, some stuff that, you know, it just literally impacts the dollars you have. And we know that money has, time has value. So mm-hmm. I'd rather money now than later. Uh, it, it does It does continually astound me. The short-termism though, not, I mean, the politicians are short-term because they're, you know, three-year election cycles and so be it and a pox on both their houses. But um, for all of that, you kind of—I I don't know, mate. I just—I find the, 
I find the lack of long-term thinking from those who expect to be in business in three, five, 10, 20 years, whose fortunes literally and otherwise are tied to that long-term story. Mm. The lack of people going, you know what, we need a, we need a 2025, a 2030, a 2040 strategy for X, Y, or Z. Mm. Um, let's not wade back into climate necessarily, but that's one of those examples where it's kind of like we're all going to be around at that point, right? And mm. you should be saying, you know what, yeah, I need some help now if the economy sucks or whatever. But what I really care about is that in 2040, the Australian economy is as strong as it possibly could be and this is how we get there. And I don't have a so what. I mean, I have my own personal views around policy and hopefully they're policy-based rather than, rather than party political. Um, I, I, I just dislike and like some of what both parties are doing and, uh, again, yeah, others as well. Um, but it's, it is one of those things where you kind of – it, it matters so much the you know the, the circumstances. As you, you mentioned Hawke and Keating, right? Superannuation, 1993, 30-odd – oh, jeez – don't, don't do the math on that one. 30-odd years later, mm. you know, the, the impact of that is so incredibly profound. The floating of the doll, the introduction of the GST, those things that were done for the right reasons by good people 20, 30, 40 years ago that are bearing fruit now and you think, well, and, and you know, when current policy or lobbying or voting is, well, by this time next year, X, Y, Z, you think, guys, like that's not just, you know, imagine without the floated, floating dollar where we'd be right now or without mm. the wage accords or without superannuation. Mm. They, they weren't they weren't one year solutions. They weren't easy policy decisions. GST similarly, uh, as as a growth tax, really really important funding the sort of expenditures that we're putting in place right now. These things really do matter. We've made it this far without a Buffett quote, so we should throw one in. Um, <laughs> one one of one of the ones I like. I like all of them. One of the ones yeah. I like particularly though is you, if you're sitting in the shade today, it's because someone planted a tree twenty Isn't years ago, great? which is I really a I, mean, I have I, a shirt with exactly that on. Yeah, I don't know if I got the wording exactly right, but it's something. It's something like that. And so, so it turns out Buffett actually stole that from an ancient Greek proverb, believe it or not. And oh, I only really? say that because um, I love the proverb more. And it goes, and I'll try. I don't think I'll butcher it, but I may. A society grows great when old man plant trees in whose shade they know they will not sit. Oh, and isn't, isn't that, that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. It is like that's why I wanted. I mean, you got you got the the context spot on. I just, want, I just love the, the phrasing of that quote is just beautiful. Our yeah. society grows great when old man plant trees in the shade of which they know they will not sit. And I just think I, that is so beautiful. Just to get geopolitical for a second. Let's do I, it. I think that's why China is on such a stro- in a strong mm. position mm. for this century. Yeah. We want to talk long term and why America yes, is, yeah. Is, yeah. is on the wane is because yeah. the, the Chinese government thinks long term. Mm-hmm. Like, they have regular five-year plans and longer plans. Yeah. You know, yeah. as, as you say, we in the West, we tend to sort of be a three-year, four-year election cycles. Mm, mm, mm. It's such a massive edge. It's yeah. not that it's going to give them any, make make much of a difference over the next year or two, but, you know, yeah. they, they <laughs> there'll be plenty of shade that they will potentially be sitting on for decisions that they made a decade ago. Yeah. And that, exactly. as you say, bear fruit over time. It's just, it, it blows my mind that we don't have similar kind <laughs> yeah. of yeah. things where we, we have, you know, 10-year plans, you know. It's crazy. Yes, it is. It's depressing. <laughs> well, yes. Let's, so let's move on, mate. Um, but but good good stuff and, and worthy stuff. And maybe one day we'll have a political party who wants to set set a you know a genuine twenty thirty two, you know, election strategy which says we this is what we want to be in ten years time. This is why we're going to do these things. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know what's hard about it is is that often these big structural changes, any change, no matter how good on a net basis, there'll be winners and losers within yeah. that. And and those that that are losers short term, um, you know, they they're going to make a you know, understandably too, they're going to make a, a lot of a song and dance about that kind of stuff. But this yeah. is, yeah. you have to think, 
you, you have to think broadly. You have to think long long term, mm. and and mm. and change always involves a, a bit of a bit of pain on the way through. Um, but mm. but that's 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 where a bit of vision and a bit of powerful narrative and leadership and stuff really comes into it to sort of say, mm. hey, listen, this it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a bumpy transition. But geez, look look how look how nice nicely positioned we're going to be down the track if, if we kind of do this. It's hard. It's very it's very easy for us to sort of opine on a podcast, you know, with our three listeners to sort of say, this is what you need to <laughs> reality is is probably not for a whole bunch of kind of reasons. But uh, there's at least 30, just quietly. You, I, know, you know what? We're not we're not that far away from having enough people to register a political party, is all I'm saying. That's oh, all I'm saying. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to I'm not saying we will. I'm just saying if <laughs> if if we were to be if we were to be carried into Parliament House on the shoulders of fans, we probably wouldn't say no. We'd probably reluctantly do our duty. So I'm just saying. I don't know. All I'm I, saying. I, I don't know. I, I, I much prefer to snipe from the sidelines. <laughs> it would be a very hard oh. job. In, in, Mate, in, I have – no, can, can I tell you? I want 12 months – this is this is obviously hopefully democratic. I want 12 months as treasurer and I promise I won't stand for re-election. That's all I want. <laughs> Give me 12 months just to fix the, fix the stuff that's actually fundamentally broken that politicians of both sides won't change because they are – just slaves to either perceived slaves to actual slaves to the electoral cycle, right? The focus group rubbish and the people vote for this and vote for that rubbish. Um, you know, a, a, a kamikaze treasurer who just said, you know what, I'm never going to get re-elected, but I'm going to change stuff because it needs to be changed and here's what we're going to do. Mm. I would happily take that job. For, I would do it for nothing, mate, for a year. Mm. If they said to me, knock yourself out. Not because I'm, I'm overly ideological, by the way, just because there's just so much stuff that can be fixed. Um, that just that just isn't fixed because it's just it's no one's interest to have those fights. And it's like, you know what? Actually, being interested in the country's outcomes rather than whether you or your party get re-elected in two and a half years' time, it's just actually, that's the, that's the China problem writ large. Exactly as you just said, the, you know, I don't I don't want to live in China. I feel sorry for people living in China under a, a single state, single party rule. But the benefit of that is you have to worry about re-election, right? So you can set ten year plans because yeah, yeah. no one's going to turf you out in three years' time if GDP is not, you know, X point X percent or you know certain outcomes haven't been achieved. It's 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 in a great, you know, in a benevolent dictatorship. It's a beautiful scenario. Unfortunately, China not necessarily a benevolent dictatorship, and I possibly won't go to China ever again after mentioning that. Um, mm. But oh, ever at all, I've never been there before. Uh, but in any case, that that's that's there. That's the challenge for the Chinese people, but the opportunity for the Chinese government. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it's it's it, the interesting thing is is that you would, as a casual bystander, think that there is sort of two different sides as to like you know take take land tax for example as, as yeah. a specific example as to how, <laughs> how that should how that should be done yep. within the economic community within academia. There's actually not too much divergence there. There's mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of consensus around. So when you sort of say I would do this and this. You yeah. can actually say that I think without being partisan, um, yeah, or totally. you know, or ideological in any way. I think when when you look at the current standing of the science and what mm. all the experts have been arguing for for years, mm. there's actually not there's not too much disagreement there. Um, it's it's when it moves into the political realm that it does sort of well it gets politicized yeah. and it does it does become <laughs> much more sort of um, polar, mm. but. But yeah, I think that there's a lot of things you could very sensibly do with econo- economists from the left and the right would would broadly sort of say, yeah, this is a better system. We should do this. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I have a I have a long list, mate, and it would take me not much time. And I am arrogant enough to think I, the country would actually be better for it. I might be entirely wrong. I might screw the whole thing. I'm up, sure there'd be protests in the be. streets with with you know uh, effigies of of your <laughs> of you <laughs> there because it, it, you know necessarily, as I said, a lot of 
Well, some people would, would certainly be worse off under under some of these new settings. But made a collection but, of tax anyway. deductions and, uh, and and rules of financial uh, products would uh, happily go by the wayside in the first week. It would not be yep. very long at all. Yeah, yeah. And yes, the, you know what? I would I would love to see those in uh, uh, Bridge Street in Sydney or Collins Street in Melbourne t- protesting in their Armani suits. That would be that would warm the cockles of my heart, mate. That would, <laughs> I would love that. All right, let's move on. Um, I am wondering, mate, whether. Whether reputation matters anymore. We saw Westpac this week. So the Royal Commission was what, four years ago, I think, ish? God, Westpac this week were fined $113 million, promised to pay back customers $80 million as a result of six separate court cases brought by ASIC at, to which Westpac, to a case, acknowledged responsibility, accepted the verdict, and they're going to hopefully have that... Uh, deal done with ASIC, ratified by the court so that we can all get on with it. Hmm. And I <laughs> I just don't know anymore for all of the talk about reputation, for all the talk about corporate governance, for all the talk about ESG, I'm not thinking from an investing perspective per se, but the same is true for investors. How many people do you have actually changed banks as a result of the Royal Commission? Zero. Well, I'm sure it's not exactly zero, but it might round to that. And I just, for all of the for all the optimism and... and uh, Whatever of the last item when we talked about, you know, what we could do if we how we could change the world. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna suggest for a second Westpac did this deliberately. I'm not gonna suggest for a second they don't care. Um, there's new management there anyway, and so that's not true. But you look at things like telecommunications companies who pay fines about once every six months for misleading advertising, or banks who have consistently over years, and more so you know, in much much greater sense since the Royal Commission have paid fine upon fine upon fine upon fine, with precious little sense that there has been tectonic change in any of these institutions, that customers care, that investors care. Yeah, we care about the fines because it costs us some money this year and the balance sheet's a little bit lighter than it might have been. But I don't know what's left and what's next, mate. I, I, I don't know if it actually does matter in the end. Mm. Does, does reputation matter or is it a case of once you're big enough, well, you've got size, you've got scale, you are the gorilla in the room. At that mm. point, does it matter? Doesn't seem to, does it? Does it? Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the fine, I just mm-hmm. crunched some numbers. $113 million, yeah. Uh, 2% of, yep. of last year's net profit, yep. after-tax profit. So, it, yeah. it, it, you know, it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't you give it a go, right? I get. I think we need to be careful. I'm not saying they do it deliberately. I'm just saying that. Well, why would you? Why, let me put it, why would you? Why, why wouldn't you right. be fairly uh, ambivalent and complacent? It's not an existential about. crisis in the boardroom, is it? They're not saying, "My God, if we don't fix this, we're going to be put out of business." Yeah. They're yeah. saying, "Well, that would suck. We really should fix it." But are they? You know, are they? How hard do you reckon these businesses are as a group? And again, I'm not going to talk about individual businesses because it's not fair, and I also don't want to get sued. Um, how hard do you reckon you're absolutely trying to make sure you are squeaky clean and do all the right things for all the right reasons to all the right people and you've got teams and teams and teams and teams of people who are reviewing this stuff regularly to make sure desperately we never have this problem again? I don't, I don't see that. I don't hear that. I don't, I don't sense that. I might be completely wrong. I don't yeah. sense that's the case. Moral hazard is a term that, that comes to mind. Yeah. Hey, when was this fine handed down? When was this ruling handed down? Uh, this week, like uh, two, Monday, two, Monday, I think it was, Monday or Tuesday. Okay, so there was an announcement on just looking at the ASX announcements. It wasn't even marked as market sensitive. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and the, the, mar- the shares in Westpac are down for other reasons. Yeah. Um, if but you're it shareholder, you don't care. It, no, it's, I don't think shareholders really 
No, no, it, does, it doesn't really mean anything. We've seen that- Oztrack, which, they, they charge 11,000 dead people apparently. <sighs> We've seen Oztrack, which is the anti-money laundering debacle for banks, mm. not sorry, this one, but banks in general. We saw insurance, premium dodgy insurance products being sold by other banks, other institutions. Um, uh, what was the result of the Royal Commission? Sam Henderson got taken to the fed of the wolves and not much else. I mean, yeah. yeah, a couple of CEOs lost their jobs, and that's that. That matters, right? If you're on a multi-million dollar pay packet, but last I saw, mate, none of them are struggling for a quid. They've all found other jobs to do. I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it, it doesn't. It doesn't strike me as. I don't even think it's necessarily their fault to personally. Actually, I think they are unduly unfairly the four guys, right? You think about the structures, the systems, the cultures, the processes, the what happened before, what happened since. You happen to be in the chair when the Royal Commission happens. If it had been three months, three years earlier, three years later, a different set of CEOs get the boot uh, for something that's been happening before and after their time again. Still. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but it, but it comes down to sort of consequence. You probably you talk about sort of being a benevolent dictator. One of the things they probably do is make those <laughs> fines much more substantial. Wouldn't you? Oh, put a, you put know, a zero on it at the very least. You know, and just sort of like yeah. maybe yeah. if it got to 10% of profit, then we might think, again, not that, let's let's be clear, maybe it's not deliberate or anything like that, but you you would, you would knowing that that is, there is, there is potential for a, a much more serious hit, you go, oh, Hey everyone, let's maybe take a really close look at our risk yeah. governance procedures. Let's have a really good look at our at our, at our framework for handling this, 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 and this. And it's yeah. just like, well, where's the incentive to do it? There's there's not much of an incentive knowing that oh, I yeah. don't know it's probably okay, and if it's not, well, slap on the wrist. Investors won't care, customers yeah. won't care. So that's that's again comes back to to. Um, yeah, the, the rules of the game that, that I would suggest that maybe the CEO, it's not fair to to fire them if they weren't in the yeah. chair at the time, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But still, I say, stuff it. I Yeah, you should oh, go. Sure. That that sure. comes with the territory. You know, with, with great power comes great responsibility to quote Spider-Man. Well, the reverse though, mate. Like the guys who were doing it for the previous 10 years who literally rode off in the sunset with zero impact. Yeah. And I go, you know, I, but, I, again, I won't, I won't talk individual individual CEOs who have gone because, again, it's not necessarily fair and I don't want to – I haven't done enough research to be absolutely clear on whatever allegation they may subsequently make. But suffice it to say, you know, if the, if the, if the Royal Commission happened three years earlier, a different set of people get fired. Those people who were in the chair who didn't get fired and when the, some of the things were happening – there was no, to point at moral hazard, there was no, there's no negative consequences for them. True, they might true. mentioned dispatches as, oh, this has been happening since Andrew Page's time as CEO of, you know, Page Bank. But now it's, you know, John Smith and John gets John gets fired. Andrew Page has oh, retired or another job or got his payment and his bonuses and his... It's not you know, fair. It's, it's not it's fair not, in that scenario that you paint, but at the same time it sets a very important precedent. So all yep. of the other CEOs of the banks go, oh, gosh, bloody blah, blah, got fired and lost all these options and rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, it's unfair oh, totally. because he didn't really do it. Yeah, that's all That's all kind of true. But again, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're not on the breadline, so I don't I don't yeah, have that much sympathy yeah. for them. But it also means that, well, again, incentives matter and everyone thinks, well, maybe we should really take a close look at this stuff and take it very, very seriously. It's, 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 yeah. it's the signal and the message that it sends. You know, sending a murderer to jail doesn't bring back the deceased. Correct. But it's it's still very important that we do that. And, Let's talk and into that. That's 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 probably not the best analogy, but but it's it's not far <laughs> off at the same time. Yes, yes. No, I just there, there's a whole different yes a set of set of considerations about. Well, the deterrent factor is the one, right? I don't yes. know. See, here's the thing, mate. Let's say you're a bank CEO and you're getting paid three million dollars a year, right? Just you, just you on my cash gre- salary. Climb, forget, yeah. forget about everything else. Yeah, you climb the greasy pole, you make it to the top, and you point out more has even then, even looking back at the Royal Commission, aren't you at least in some part of your brain at three a.m. on a Saturday morning when you wake up in a cold sweat? Don't you kind of go, 
I mean, I know that guy got booted, but if I can just make another couple of years, maybe eventually I get the I get the result as well. But two years, six million dollars, I'll take the risk. I, even then, even even well, I would I would I would I would I would invert that and sort of say, well, even if I did, I, I thought, okay, right, I'm going to take this super seriously, and I'm, I'm going to yeah. make sure that all, all my people look into it. Right, right. Yeah. You, you're still in the same position, right? Yes. So it's kind of like, well, why not? Why not do it, right? Because you're golden. Either, I get your point. You're golden either way. And worst yes. case scenario, you lose your job and you take your millions and you yeah, go to live in the right. Bahamas yeah. or something. Yeah. But but do it anyway. For that, ex- that that's more of an argument for me to do the right thing because either way, you're okay. <laughs> and but, but, but no, but the, the do the right thing doesn't cost you any money, right? So the bank doesn't have well, to lose doesn't cost sales them any money. But they, but there's no like if you think about think about CEO. Um, Bonuses and, and incentives, right? Mm. You get you get to your point. You get cash bonus. You get a cash amount, and you get some sort of incentive for for growing EPS. Mm. So you can go and put hundred million dollars worth of costs in the business every year to root this stuff out, or you can say, well, if I do that, I'll get less bonus. And so to maximise my short term remuneration, if I if I was, I'm not saying they're not terrible people, right? No one's actively going out there. Del- well, maybe one is, but you know, no one's going out there deliberately to say, let's let's screw this thing over. This we're going to destroy people's lives so I can make a buck, right? No mm. one's doing that specifically, except for the guys doing the uh, payday lending. But that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, the uh, no, no one's saying let's do it deliberately, right? The, but but they are saying, well, I could put all that money into there, but I'd have lower earnings and lower profits and lower bonuses, and I'd look less impressive as a CEO. Or if ASIC was to start an investigation today, by the time they make a finding in two years' time. I, I'm probably not here anyway. So, you know, why not take the risk? Why not take the gamble? Mm. Uh, that, that's, if there's zero downside and only upside, you would gamble every day of the week. If you're, if you're a, you know, if, you, if, you got, if you're playing a, a game at the casino and they say, look, tell you what, if it's heads, you get your money back. If it's tails, you get more. So hang on, you mean I don't lose other way? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But that isn't fair. I, I won't play the game because that's not fair. No one says that. They say, okay, can you give me the coin? I'd really like to toss that coin as many times as I can before you throw me out of the casino. Well, um, just more argument yeah. for, for more punitive fines and, and for getting the flick and being uh-huh. having forced to stay, stay, stand down. But it comes back to that. So, yes, you, you're right. And that's sadly, that's that's <laughs> the game theoretical sort of way of, of looking at it and explains why it is why it, why it is. Mm. Um, but, yeah. I mean, you, you could also argue with that $112 million, $113 million fine or whatever it was, you could probably have taken that and invested it into uh, scrutinising these procedures and uh, just making sure you're okay. The potential, the potential long-term savings are good. Again, it comes back to a lack of, of long-term thinking um, and it's yes. really depressing. <laughs> Mate, um, let's finish off very quickly. What's in a name? Uh, potentially a lot. Meta? Is the new Facebook? Facebook is the, Meta is the new Facebook. Facebook rebranded their corporate headquarters as Meta. Still Facebook.com, but Meta is the parent company. Uh, you mentioned we got, before we started trading Flexi Group, the old buy now pay, not buy now pay, well, it's buy now pay, the old rent, rent and kind of $1 pay, that kind of stuff. They're now Hum Group. And it turns out this morning that Square, the payments business that is buying Afterpay, it's not going to be Square anymore. It's not the Square product. They're going to be called Block. So we have Meta and Block. And hum, I'm seeing single syllables. I think I'm okay. Scott's okay. Andrew's in trouble. You might have to be something else. You might have to change. Well, your Google, name. Google did go something. to Alphabet too. That's should, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I own I own Alphabet shares for the record. Um, yes, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes and no. Probably not. It, I think it's probably at times it's warranted when there is a big strategic. Um, realignment or moving in a different mm. direction. You just you're a different kind of company than you were, and 
you know, Berkshire Hathaway should arguably have had a name change because it was a <laughs> textile mill and it's anything but today. Yep, 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 but yep. then I guess you, you, would, you would rightly come back with, Come back at that and say, "Yeah, exactly." Um, they would exactly say what I would say. You take the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Or the word as a case. Yeah, I, I, gen, gen, no, not really. It, 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 it doesn't. Um, brand brands matter. We know that brands matter. Brands we know matter, that they're very yes. hard to value. Yes. Um, and so, I, I, I would, I wouldn't say that. No, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Mm, but mm. I think if there's a good, there's a good strategic reason for it in the sense that we want to be known as. We, we, we like having these words that we can sort of distill all these sort of complex thoughts down into single one. If, if, the, <laughs> if the old name wasn't really capturing that, then then maybe you could do it. Um, going from square to block, you kind of think, well, I, what's the difference there? Mm-hmm. I My speculation, as I said to you off air, is I think because I know that Jack Dorsey is big, big into his blockchains and stuff. Yep. I, I reckon that's – I don't know. Um, I, but I think that's probably the reason behind it. They, square is going to make more of a move into the to the um, – DeFi uh, space. Oh dear. Unfortunately for you, fortunately for me, we are at the end of our podcast. Um, <laughs> I completely agree with you, mate. I think that the name, I think the name, uh, I think the name is a big deal. I actually think it makes sense at a corporate level. Funnily enough, I'm normally the cynic here. Um, if you are lots of other things and one of those things is the name, if Berkshire Hathaway still had a textile milk or Berkshire Hathaway, arguably you'd want to have a renaming because you'd want to separate the business from the brand, right? In that mm. case, Facebook, <coughs> the company is more than Facebook, the brand. It makes some sense that it represents that to some degree. Does it matter? No, of course it doesn't. Mm. Um, maybe it helps to talk about Meta and Facebook as different things. One's the property, one's the corporate entity that owns a whole lot of other stuff, including Instagram and plenty of other stuff. <coughs> WhatsApp, me. yeah. Uh, WhatsApp, exactly. So I, I, I find the whole thing slightly curious. I find the name – what, what I struggle with is the marketing of the names, Meta. Mm. Like I, I get the Metaverse thing, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to talk about it now. But you're going to go, all right, well, okay, 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 like I get it, but – Seriously, dude, like, come on. Uh, if you want to call yourself, you know, um, social media networks, proprietary limited, then I'm, then I'm with the, the name change. It's when the name change becomes that kind of signaling for something else that has half an eye on the company, the other half the eye on the investors getting excited about your shares because you've named yourself something that might, you know. So if everything got called something.com back in the day, right? You'd you change the corporate name in 1999 and put .com at the end. We'd be motleyformoney.com, the podcast, and our value would skyrocket. Um, rather than just Motley Fool Money, which didn't have a .com. Same with other things as well. It's too much of an eye on the investor, not enough eye on the business in my humble opinion. And it's humble. Yeah, fair most enough. Most of the time, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, mate, thank you for joining us. Will you join me on Sunday? You know it, for sure. Excellent. Looking forward to it. If you do have any questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions, as ever, info, I-N-F-O, at fool.com.au is one way you can get to us. The other way you can do it is on Twitter, where Andrew lives exclusively in a deal he's done with Jack Dorsey that's obviously under the table. He's never really confirmed or denied it. Uh, so you can get Andrew only on Twitter at Sage underscore Simeon or at Strawman Invest. I'm on Twitter and Insta at TMF Scott P and on Facebook at Scott Phillips Money. The Motley Fool is the Motley Fool AU on those first two and Motley Fool Australia on Facebook. Until Sunday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.